Welcome to Time Lapse, everybody. Today we're talking about time crimes, which alongside Primer, these are the two prestige time travel movies we're talking about. They're like the top tier ones, the, the shining examples to a future space religion. I guess. Time Crimes is about this guy who spends a day multiple times alternately beating up his past self and uh, creeping on a woman whose boobs he saw once. I mean, that's kind of reductive and like there's more. No, that, that's essentially accurate. So this guy, Hector, he just moved into a new house with his wife, Clara, and he's working on the place and he's buying groceries and he buys a table. It's a pretty flimsy table. Yeah, it's, it collapses pretty easily. And so in the course of setting up their house for the day, he takes a break to sit in his backyard and stare at the woods with binoculars? Yeah, I don't know. He's like a bird watcher or is, a... Is that a thing people do? I don't know, but it turns out that he's not as much bird watching, but ends up creepy voyeuring because he sees this lady out in the forest and she like takes her shirt off and stuff and, and you see her stuff. And then he follows her out there rather than being like, hey, wife, come see what's up with this woman. Or just walking away or saying, eh, that's weird. I'm going to look somewhere else. Right. So rather than do any of those normal person things, he decides to follow her into the woods. Which is his first mistake. Why are you doing this? I mean, maybe he's curious. I mean, what does curiosity have to do that? You, the audience, should know that if you see someone at a great distance disrobing in a forest and you don't know that they are explicitly disrobing in the forest for you, do not follow them into the forest because no good can come of it. This has been a PSA from Arts Paradoxica. So he finds the naked lady. Do we ever know the lady's name? I do not remember. I, I... don't believe you ever find out that woman's name. That's kind of sad. Oh man, more sex objects and time travel films. We're going to come back to this later. Anyway, for some reason he follows her out into the forest and sees that now she is completely naked and decides to, you know, get closer to her. Like really close. Like super male gaze close. Like, like... super gross close. And then surprise, he gets stabbed in the arm with a pair of scissors. Ah! Yeah, because there's this dude with a trench coat and his face is covered in bandages. The bandages are pink. They're like really distinctive against the green backdrop of the forest so you can clearly see where this crazy psychomaniac is coming from. Yeah, he's terrifying. Like that thing with the binoculars. Oh, that... where where Hector's like looking through his binoculars and then all of a sudden the pink bandage guy like puts his hands up like binoculars and looks right at him. Yeah, that's terrifying. Yeah. The first third of this movie is like a really pretty by the numbers horror movie. So he runs and finds himself at this weird science lab complex place? Yeah, it's like right in the middle of the woods and it's closed down for the weekend except one guy is there because he didn't feel like it. He finds his walkie-talkie and there's a voice there and it tells him to come to this main house. There's a scientist there who convinces him to get away from this crazy bandage guy by putting him into this weird looking tank filled with some like white liquid. Yeah, surprise, it's a time machine and the scientist needs him to get into the time machine to fulfill a fixed time loop that started earlier in that day because otherwise something bad will happen except bad things already happen. Yeah, the bad thing that happened is the fact that there's a time loop. And no, everything Hector does just makes things worse. So Hector, having not foreseen this at all, ends up back in time. It's a few hours earlier in the day. Uh, he comes out, he's very shocked. He's drenched in this white liquid. Yeah, what is that liquid? It's like time milk. I don't know, you get it from time cows. They're like the natural prey of time sharks. What? Wait, time sharks? Oh, we can't talk about time sharks yet. Anyway, so uh, Hector tries to not mess things up, but then he gets into a car accident and is helped out of it by seemingly well-intentioned woman and she is the one who gives him the does she give him the bandages no he's got he's already got the bandages he's got the bandages because the scientist wrapped the arm that got stabbed so he gets into this uh, car accident and he takes off the bandages from his arm and starts wrapping them all over his face because he has a head wound but the bandages are soaked in the weird time milk and that seeps into his head wound and it is very strongly implied that that's what turns him crazy that I really like that it turns him crazy 
crazy because then that kind of makes his actions seem a little less unnecessarily awful. So after wrapping his head in white milk plus red blood mixed into pink bandages and being helped out of his wrecked car by this well-intentioned young woman where, hmm, sure have seen her before. And also there's a trench coat in the garbage that was knocked over the side of the road. He realizes like, oh snap, I'm going to become this dude. I guess I have to be this guy now. No, Hector, you are the demons. Yeah, this is definitely like a horror movie where the protagonist becomes the monster. So he kidnaps the woman and forces her to strip in the middle of the woods because he remembers having seen that earlier and doesn't want to break the time loop? Later in the movie, he sees a woman die and he thinks that woman is his wife and then realizes that if he goes back in time one more time and basically he kills that woman so that his wife doesn't have to die. But like neither did that woman. Yeah, no one had to die there. If at any point they would just stop time traveling, things would be much better. I feel like we've said that a lot during episodes of Time Lapse. Spoilers for Ars Paradoxica. If you just stop time traveling, everything is gonna be okay. Well, as okay as life ever is. Oof, too real. So why is this one of our favorites? Well, I mean, so this and Primer are probably the two best examples of time travel narratives on this list. The Infinite Man and Predestination are both movies that were were very heavily inspired by those two. Ars Paradoxica is clearly inspired by Time Crimes and Primer. This is probably one of the most cogent, straightforward time travel narratives out there. It's well self-contained, and there aren't really any tricks outside of the time travel. Everyone is very straightforward and visible, and the movie is just so good at signposting. We've talked about signposting before. At the beginning of the movie, Hector picks up a phone call, and he doesn't hear the person on the other end of the line, and it turns out that it's a future version of him, which the infinite man also does. Yep. There's also a scream that echoes throughout the woods that all of these characters are traipsing around in, and I don't think you find out what the screen actually is until the third time around. There's a diagram that the first Hector sees when he first gets to the science lab place that turns out was drawn by the scientist explaining time travel to the second Hector. Oh, and the hand. Oh, yeah. When Hector does his first time travel and comes out of the tank, it's really easy to miss, but there is a hand peeking out from behind one of the machines in the time lab. You only find out much later that that is a later version of Hector who has come back, intimidated the scientist into acting the way he does, and then hid to view himself coming back. Yeah, because, you know, he's gone crazy because of the time milk. But it's not like they put that hand in only in the last scene. Like, that hand is there from the beginning of the movie, and you can you can spot it. Actually, when we went back to rewatch this for time lapse, we're like, okay, let's go for the hand, let's watch the hand, watch for the hand. Ah, there it is, yeah! Yeah, and it was totally there. Like all of these movies, it keeps the cast small, and it keeps the locations isolated. Predestination obviously has technically the smallest cast of all of these in that there are two characters. There's two characters. All of them are one character except for that second guy. Except for that guy who is in Live to Repeat, Edge of Tomorrow, and Game of Thrones. And I think I saw him in a still for some British period drama. Probably. Probably. The reason that having a small cast and a fixed location is great for time travel is because you really want to show the confusion that happens when you have multiple versions of the same person in a single place. Like, if Hector was running around in Spain, this is a Spanish movie? Yeah, I believe it's Spain. So if he's running around in Spain, and then time travels back an hour, but he's all of a sudden in New York, that the two have no interaction, so you really need to keep space defined. Well, that and the second he starts interacting with people who are kind of outside this time loop who are not involved, in time crimes, the people who are involved are Hector, that woman, Hector's wife, tangentially, and the scientist guy, who is played by director Nacho Vigalondo. He also wrote it. I didn't know he wrote it, too. Oh, yeah, he wrote and directed the movie. It was really good. This just occurred to me. I think all of the protagonists in these movies are creeps. Does that reflect poorly on us? Is that true? Yeah. Like, okay, so Hector is a creep because he, like, stalks a naked lady out in the forest. 
definitely true. Dean in The Infinite Man just is kind of a chode and needs to get his together and learn how to treat women like not weird sex prizes. I mean, Aaron is definitely a creep in Primer because he has to stalk himself and shove himself in an attic. There's no way that Bill Murray doesn't get to some untoward shit in Groundhog Day and even in the, the movie itself is kind of creepy. It's not as creepy given the circumstances but only because there are incredibly extenuating circumstances. Is he not a super creep? Even Bill and Ted are kind of creepy. I mean you can chalk that up to the 80s and boys being boys but I really really hate the excuse boys being boys, so I'm going to call them out. They're creeps. Ethan Hawke in Predestination is, I mean, Jane John always does that to themselves, I guess. Yeah, I don't I don't know if that's being creepy so much as just whatever happens in that movie, jeez. He doesn't really have a choice to become the Fizzle Bomber. In fact, that's the end of the movie, is he realizes he doesn't have a choice. That lady from the typewriter stores apparently sucks. Apparently she's just the worst. Yeah, it, I mean, it really does seem like all of the protagonists of time travel stories end up being uh, creeps. Tom Cruise and Liv repeat, I guess, is a kind of nice dude. He doesn't want to go to war, I guess. But he does lie to Emily Blunt about how many times they've been through the time loop and takes away her agency as a result of it. Okay, that's fair. Everyone's creeps. Okay, so here's what you've learned from six out of eight episodes of Time Lapse. Time travel kind of turns you into an asshole. Kind of makes you a creep. It, it definitely makes you voyeuristic. There's yeah. definitely a voyeuristic element to time travel stories that I think is really interesting, that being able to view yourself making mistakes, it's kind of that idea idea of having 2020 hindsight when you can literally see yourself make the mistakes you made in front of you and watching that and thinking that you are in a position to do anything about it is very voyeuristic. That's fair. You're kind of viewing your past self as a unfinished manuscript and you can certainly reflect on your previous experiences through memory. That's fine. But when you start going to change it, it's sort of presumptive and everyone likes to be gods. Lord knows if you've ever played Dungeons and Dragons with me, you know I have a weird thing where all of my characters always end up having like a weird divine aspect to them. I don't know why. Well, even in Ars Paradoxica, there's a voyeuristic element because we have the tap. Mm -hmm. For those who are listening to Time Lapse but don't yet listen to Ars Paradoxica. Who are you? Please email us at arsparadoxica at gmail.com and then listen to Ars Paradoxica. But in Ars Paradoxica, we have the tachyonic activity projector, which is a fancy way of saying it's a TV where when you point it at something, you can see what was there in the past. It's a window through time. But the Office of Developed Anomalous Resources immediately co-ops that to become the spy police state that we have now because of smartphones, except like 70 years earlier. God, what did we do? I mean, that was 100% intentional. It was 100% intentional. But it reinforces that point that time travel definitely has a voyeuristic element to it that I guess I didn't realize was so omnipresent in time travel fiction until right now. Yeah, it really didn't sink in until we rewatched all of these movies, and it turns out that like all of these guys are kind of weird. I guess... I I don't want to tilt the bean can too much, but I think Marty McFly is probably at least a little bit okay. Yeah, I, I hope Marty McFly's... Man, I don't want to get to Back to the Future and watch it and be like, oh no, Marty McFly's the worst too. I mean, we even cut the film 11 minutes ago because it was just kind of gross. Yeah, the protagonist in that was really creepy. He like basically starts obsessing over this woman who he can only see in 11 minute increments that he only knows that he's going to fall in love with because he has been told that he's going to fall in love with her. But also, he makes a really big deal over the number of men 
men she slept with. And I hope you guys know I edit these episodes painstakingly, and I just spent six tries trying to say that sentence correctly. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do an 11 minutes ago episode. We decided it's not one of our favorites because of how creepy he is. That said, 11 minutes ago is a time travel movie that you haven't seen that is actually kind of clever and cute in a nice way. But we have a lot of time travel movies, and we chose eight for this, and that didn't make the final cut. Yep. yep so you can go find that movie if you'd like. I think that we have to, you and me, Daniel, have to examine something about ourselves in that we are trying to write the best time travel story that we possibly can. If everybody in time travel stories is creeps, are we creeps? We're certainly definitely kind of weirdos, and I sometimes don't know what the hell we're doing here. We definitely don't belong here. Also, I will say, I know what's happening in Ars Paradoxica in the future, and so do you. It kind of gets a little messed up. Like, they do some messed up things in the name of time travel and America. Spoilers, creepy bad things happen in our show. It's not like Sally Grissom. It's not like Jack Wyatt goes It's not like Esther Roberts clone. Anyway, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Time Lapse. Remember, all of this is to raise money for our audio drama series, Ars Paradoxica, the best found footage Cold War conspiracy time travel tragedy audio drama podcast on the entire internet. You can check us. You really can. Uh, We are on Patreon, raising money for our Money's Time campaign. Please, if you like what we do, head on over to patreon.com slash Ars Paradoxica and pledge us a few dollars. Also, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter. Are are we on Ello? We're not cool enough to be on Ello. Anyway, if If it's ours paradoxica, it's it's probably us. us. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys next week on Time Lapse.